1 Corinthians chapter 11, and let's stand if we could, if you're able to stand, and we're going to begin reading in verse 23, passage of scripture that you should be fairly familiar with. It's the most exhaustive passage of scripture having to do with the Lord's Supper, one of the two ordinances uh, the Lord gave his churches, one ordinance being baptism, the other ordinance being the Lord's Supper. And uh, we're going to look at that together and focus on one particular aspect of that. But beginning in verse 23, the Bible says, Paul writing, For I have received of the Lord that which I also, or which also I delivered unto you. This is what the Lord gave me, Paul writes, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now obviously the bread and the cup did not actually turn into the elements. The elements didn't turn into the actual blood and body of the Lord, but it was a remembrance. It would be a solemn remembrance of Jesus' death on the cross and what it means to us. It says in verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death. It's a picture of the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, that same word found in verse 27, unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation or judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, meaning that they've passed away. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. And I really want to emphasize and talk about tonight, verse 31, this, this thought, if we would judge ourselves... If we would judge ourselves. And let's pray as we get started. All right? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it means to us. Thank you for the spirit of God who is within us to teach us, to lead us into truth. We ask you to be our teacher. We ask you to remind us of things as Jesus said would occur. That when he comes, he'll remind you, bring to your remembrance the things I've taught you. Remind us of things. And Lord, use your word to instruct us, to edify us, Lord, to change us, and to build us up, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Last Sunday evening, we talked about judging one another. We talked about judgment um, and just kind of review a little bit how we're to judge sin, 
The Bible's clear about this in numerous places. Uh, when there's a, a problem between brothers in the church, rather than go to the court, we're to judge those things ourselves. We're to use good judgment. We're to judge false doctrine. I introduced the sermon last Sunday night talking about that. We're to, we're to judge false teachers, those kinds of things. But we emphasize as a main part of that message, we're not to judge one another or despise one another in areas where the Bible is not speaking directly. Things like our diet. Um, some people may say it's okay to eat certain things. Some people may say it's not. And that's fine for dietary reasons. That's personal choices and preferences. But it's not a Bible doctrine. We're not to judge each other in those matters. So in case you weren't here last a Sunday evening, that's what we talked about. And in that passage it says that we're not to despise the other. We're not to despise people, talking about the one another, brothers in Christ. We're not to despise those whom God receives. But there's another aspect of judgment that I want us to talk about tonight. I think it just kind of fits into that theme of judging. And that is this, what about judging ourselves? And I think that really may be the most relevant part of judging that we should be considered of. What about judging ourselves? The verse says there in 31, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. The word judge again means to discern. It means to, to make distinction or separation between right and wrong, between what's good and what's best. So we're to judge ourselves. The person most responsible for the way I live is me, right? And that's true of all of us. We're to honestly, sincerely, soberly judge ourselves. And as you see here, this text, the larger context in teaching is about the Lord's Supper. And what should the Lord's Supper be? Look in verse 28. But let a man examine himself. It's a self-examination. You know, I had a doctor's appointment this past week. Uh, an annual wellness appointment. And they examined me. They examined me in ways that I couldn't examine myself. They did blood work. They know more about my diet now that they did all this blood work. And I said, none of your business. I'm to judge myself. But it says, let a, let a man examine himself. The word examine. What is an examination? If you go to the driver's license place, you're going to take an examination, a written test. Some of you just had finals. You're, an exam is a test. It's to prove. It's to try. It's to see what you know. That's the purpose of a test. Examine yourself. Examine yourself, he says. Look in verse 20. Let a man examine himself. We're to see ourselves as we are. We're to examine things in our lives accurately, sincerely. And if we all know this, Paul, in much of this epistle, 1 Corinthians, in much of this epistle, Paul is, is addressing many problems in the Corinthian church. If you know anything about the Corinthian church, you know they had problems. Even in the same chapter, look in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, there in verse 17. He says, now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not. 
In other words, I'm not going to give you a good report about what I'm about to say. In this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. When you come together, it's not, it's, it's, you have things that are going on that are not, not good. Verse 18, for first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. This is a, this is a letter, an epistle from an apostle to one of the Lord's churches, and he says, I've got some things to talk to you about, things that are going on that don't need to be going on, and that's much of what this, this epistle is about, these similar issues that stemmed really from their carnality, from their lack of spirituality. There was contention. There was envying. There was strife. Chapter 5, there was immorality that wasn't being dealt with. There was, there was four, chapters 14, 12 and 14, the abuse and misuse of spiritual gifts. Uh, there was doctrinal error. Chapter 15, that great chapter about the resurrection. There was those among them who did no longer believe in the resurrection. Uh, the list just goes on and on. This church had many problems. And so... He's addressing these problems and he's telling them that you need to judge yourself. Paul's judging them, righteously judging them with truth. He's putting the truth of God up beside what they're doing and saying you need to make some major changes in your life. But you know who should have been judging them? They should have been judging themselves. They should have been seeing this this carnality is not good. This party spirit. Some say, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm Cephas. They should have recognized in their own life these problems and said, we can't let this continue. Individually, they should have seen that. So, Paul is admonishing them here and teaching them about the Lord's Supper, how they should judge themselves. Now, we're still looking there in 1 Corinthians 11. So he says in verse 31, if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. In other words, if, if you'll correct yourself, there'll be no need for someone else to correct you. You know, if a child is sitting in church and misbehaving, if they would, if they would correct that themselves, they wouldn't have to be taken out for a pep talk. If you'll judge yourself... I know little children that, that need this don't understand what I'm talking about, but you know what I'm saying. If you judge yourself, you don't have to be judged. We should judge ourselves. And so then look at the next verse, verse 32. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. If we'll judge ourselves, we don't have to be judged but if we are judged, the Lord will judge us. If we are judged, verse 32, we are chastened of the Lord. What do you call it when um, a parent takes their child out and corrects them? We call it a beating. No, we don't call it that. We call it correction, right? We call it ch chastisement. We call it discipline. Well, the Bible says if we don't judge ourselves, we're going to be judged. And you know who's going to judge us? The Lord is. And you may say, well, I don't think God really does that. Well, uh, I beg to differ with you. He does do that. You know, Hebrews 
12, I believe it is, talks about that. Whom the Father loveth, he chastens and scourges every son. And that doesn't mean that he takes you to the woodshed every time you think a bad thought or say a bad word, but he does correct us. And one of the ways he corrects us is not, is not even anything physical. It's something we feel in our heart. When a child of God has something in their heart that's not right, the Spirit of God will let them know that it grieves the Spirit of God. That's a part of our chastisement. That's a part of our correction. And he says, if you don't judge yourself, you're going to be judged. Now, I don't know how to be more clear about that, but it's a very important thing for us to understand. So, in, in light of the Lord's Supper here in 1 Corinthians 11, in light of that, he says, look in verse 28, let a man examine himself. Anyone who's been around our church for any length of time knows that uh, when we have the Lord's Supper, we emphasize it's a time of self-examination, right? That's a part. There, the two things that stand out to me as the most practical aspect of our, our um, preparation for the Lord's Supper is verse 28, examine yourselves. Verse 31, judging ourselves. Now that's not all it's about. It's about remembering what the Lord has done for us. It's about focusing on the cross and the sacrifice of Christ. But, but we're to judge ourselves in preparation for the Lord's Supper. But listen, we're to judge ourselves as a way of life, not just for the Lord's Supper. And I've had more than one person, more than two people, several people in my many years of ministry who have said to me, you know, the Lord's Supper's coming up. They've said this to me in so many words, the Lord's Supper's coming up, but I'm not going to partake of it because I've got some things in my life that shouldn't be there. And my thought is, then get them fixed. <laughs> the purpose of the Lord's Supper is not that we would skip the Lord's Supper because we have things in our life that are wrong. The purpose is examine yourself, get it right, Receive God's forgiveness and then observe the Lord's Supper, right? But we shouldn't just do that for the Lord's Supper. We should do it as a way of life. We should be examining ourselves. We should be judging ourselves. The word, look at the word there in verse 31. I want to emphasize it. The second word, if. For if we would judge ourselves. Now the if to me means that it's not necessarily a given. There's some uncertainty about it. It's a good recommendation, judge ourselves, but a person may not do that. But we ought to do that. You know, it's not always easy to judge ourselves. I have found in my life that at times it's much easier to see the faults in other people than to see the faults in my life. Now, you don't have that problem because you find it much easier to see the faults in my life than in yours. But you understand what I'm saying. It's not always easy to judge ourselves. Sometimes we're not objective with ourselves. Sometimes we could have this tendency to excuse ourselves, to justify things, you know, because we feel like there's a reason that we are the way we are. I think it's an example of what the Bible refers to in ways in different places in the Old Testament, more than one place. In Proverbs chapter 11, there's a place where we talk about, you know, 
unequal balances. We have unequal systems of measurement. I want to just go mark that place with you. Keep your finger right here in 1 Corinthians 11, but let's go to Proverbs 11. I think such a valuable passage of Scripture. Proverbs chapter 11. It says, A false balance is abomination to the Lord. A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. So these two things are contradictory. Contrast, a false balance or a just weight. One of them's good. A just weight is good. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord. Now what is a false balance? You know, we don't do this anymore, but I can, I can remember my grandfather when he would go to what we'd call the elevator now, when you go to buy grain or to sell grain or different things like that, or buy bulk, you'd buy bulk pro product, they would use a balance and they would have a weight. So you've got this scale. And can you visualize that, this balance, this scale? And so how would you, if you're gonna buy five pounds worth of uh, flour or something, then you'd put a five pound weight on there and you'd weigh out the flour until it balances and you know you got five pounds. That's a just balance, if it's really five pounds. But a dishonest person would use a different set of weights for different things. For instance, if you're, if you're selling something, it would be to your advantage to sell less and get more. If you're buying something, you know what I'm saying, they would use, that's exactly what this passage is talking about, it's an abomination to God to have one, one set of scales for one thing and another set of scales for another. I hope you're following me. But the, but the illustration is not about buying and selling flour. The illustration is about the way we judge people. It's an abomination to have one way of judging others and another way of judging yourself. When, you're, when we're harder on other people then when we give them a harder way of judgment than ourselves, it's, an, it's a false balance. It's not an equal balance. It's not always easy to judge ourselves. We use different sets of measurements for different situations, and that's really not, it's not right. So again, I'm back in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If we don't judge ourselves, we're going to be judged and it's just a good thing to be reminded of I don't, I don't think that means that we ought to always be hard on ourselves I don't think that means we ought to be always putting ourselves down but we ought to be objective we ought to we ought to use the same system that we would expect other people to do for ourselves and as God's children if we don't judge ourselves, he's going to judge us. He may use a friend. He may use, he may use the church. In 1 Corinthians 5, he will use the church to judge a situation. He may use a parent to judge a child. But God corrects his children. And there are many, you could just use many examples of this. Let's just think about something that nobody, I like to use illustrations that nobody can relate to. So let's think about the speed limit for a moment, right? 
If you don't judge yourself, you might be judged. Right? You know what it means to be judged? That means you hear the lights, the see the lights, you hear the sound going off, and you're thinking, I wonder who they're, wonder who they're going after. But it's you. But you know what? You can judge yourself. You can, you can say to yourself, you know, I shouldn't be driving this fast. I, you could ju- either judge yourself or you'll be judged. We can think of many areas in our life. Think about, and I'm just trying to use it for illustration. sake. let's just think about media. Media being movies that we watch or things we look at on our phone or video games. We ought to judge ourselves. You know, it's one of the dangerous things about, about having phones is if you can't judge yourself, you'll listen to things, you'll see things, you'll do things you shouldn't do. Um, I, I just saw a, a very, I thought, admirable post on social media this past week of someone who was limiting themselves to one hour daily, a limit of one hour a a day on social media, Facebook. I'm not going to let myself go over an hour. Now that may sound like a lot to you. It may sound like a little to you. But the point was, they were saying, I'm going to police myself. I'm going to judge myself. I'm not going to let myself, you know, and I'm not here to tell you what you ought to do about all these kind of things. But we're to judge ourselves. I got a lot of trouble when I was a teenager always somebody else's fault of course but I got in trouble because I didn't judge myself and other people would sometimes it was the law sometimes it was my mother sometimes it was the principal at school you know I know it's hard to imagine that I'd ever get beaten I was beaten I think about it I would just go back and sue him for that (laughs) you know a lot of things in my life a lot of things have come and gone that I don't remember but some things just stand out in my mind And I'm not going to tell you about all of them. But the point is, we're to judge ourselves. I don't want to be, you know, just redundant in this, but it's a point, well, I believe, well taken. Now, let's just think about some areas. I used some illustrations there of how to judge ourselves that we be not judged, but some areas that would be wise to judge ourselves. And I'm going to be very general, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these things. But first of all, in a general category, it would be our spiritual lives and our discipline. Like our devotion, our Bible reading, our praying. You know, most people in this room, no one is going to require you to have a daily practice of reading your Bible and praying. If you're going to do it, you're going to have to do that on your own. You're going to have to decide on your own. You're going to have to judge yourself. And, you know, if you let a day or two go by and you're not reading your Bible and praying, you could say, well, I've just been busy, no big deal. Or you ought to say, look, get your act together. you got plenty of time for Facebook and you got time for all this other nonsense. Get in the Word of God. You ought to judge yourself, right? We're to judge ourselves in our spiritual life, in our obedience to God's commands, in our stewardship, the stewardship of our resources, our giving, the stewardship of our time. We ought to judge ourselves. It would be a great practice, I think, for any of us sometime in our life, different times in our life, to just look at how we spend our time. How, many, how much time in our day do I spend doing this? How much time in our day do I spend doing this? We're to judge ourselves in our spiritual discipline, our, our music standards. You know, when you get in that car 
and you're driving and nobody's in there with you, there's one person that can judge you and that's you. Judge yourself. I'm not talking about being harsh on yourself. I'm talking about just be, be the police your own life. That's what we're to do. We're to police our own lives. Dress standards, all those kinds of things. All that would fall under spiritual discipline. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end this in a few moments by... I'm not going to end this in a few moments, but in a few moments I'm going to go to the thing I'm going to end with. And that is how do we put this to practice? But another area besides our discipline of our spiritual life, how about our attitudes? Let's just think about the general category of our attitudes. And you can just throw anything under that umbrella you want to. Pride, selfishness, disrespect. Young person, you, if you're a Christian, it should not require your mother or dad to tell you when you're being disrespectful, you ought to, you ought to judge yourself. When's the last time you went to your mom or dad and said, look, I'm sorry for what I said. I shouldn't have said that. God has convicted me. We ought to judge ourselves. Bitterness and unforgiveness. We shouldn't allow ourselves to carry grudges. Anger, uncontrolled emotions, anger. These different attitudes, emotions. Being negative, having a critical spirit, or honesty. We ought to judge ourselves. We shouldn't let ourselves get by with the least the least amount of deceit or untruth. We should not allow that. And when, when any Christian can say, well, I'm just, you know, I know I, sh I know I shouldn't be deceitful. I know I shouldn't be deceiving my mom or dad about this. I know I shouldn't be holding this back from so-and-so. I, I know I wasn't completely honest when I said this. I know I exaggerated that in some way, but it's not a big deal. That's not judging yourself. That's giving yourself a pass. And judging ourselves means we're, we're looking objectively to it. God desires truth in the inward parts. So we ought to think about our spiritual life. We ought to think about our attitudes, our motives. We ought to think about our thoughts and our words. You're talking about getting really, really serious about this. What if we start judging our thoughts? I'm sure David had this in mind in the 19th Psalm when he said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. You know, it's one thing to judge your behavior, judge your actions when people see it. But we want to judge our thoughts. Bring every, bring every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ. That's what the Bible says. Our words, our, our, what we look at. I'll, you know, the, Psalm 101, I believe it is, says, I'll, I set no wicked thing before my eyes. I'm not going to let myself look at those things that I shouldn't look at. Our words, you know, Paul wrote in that 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I spake as a child, but when I become a man, I put away childish things. I don't let myself get by with those kind of words, vain words, slang words. We ought to judge our words. Now, I know a person could say, well, that's, that's all, that's pretty picky stuff. Well, I think God wants us to be. So how do we do that? I want to give you six things to guide us. How do we judge ourselves? First of all, I'm going to mention the word prayer. We ought to judge ourselves 
prayerfully. Ask God to show us. Ask God to show us. Is this really what you want or is this just what I want? A couple of weeks ago, we had a message from Psalm 25 on that passage where the psalmist says, Show me thy ways. I want your ways. Think about this verse. After this, I mean, such a glorious uh, description of the omniscience and the omnipresence of God in Psalm 139 where the psalmist said, you know, you see my down sittings and my uprisings and everything about me. If I go into heavens, you're there. You're, I, God, you're everywhere. Then he said this. Search me, O God. You search me. Search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. I'm just saying, we ought to start with prayer. God, you show me. God, is this what you want from me? Is this the way you'd have me to respond to my mom or dad? God, you show me. Search me. Search me. Is there anything between me and you, Lord? Is there anything between me and another person? So it starts with prayer. The second thing that we can use, I'm just talking about tools or things to guide us. First of all, prayer. I mean, can you imagine honestly praying to God and say, God, do you want me to be respectful to mom or dad or not? I mean, that's a no-brainer, right? You don't even have to pray about that. But the second thing, what does the Bible say about it? That's a good place, a good guide. The Word of God. The psalmist, we don't know exactly who it was, 119. I like to think it was David, but the Bible didn't say so. But he said, I esteem, talking to God, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. God's opinion is the most valuable opinion. What God says matters most. What does the Bible say? We ought to pray about it. We ought to look into the scripture. What does the Bible say? Thirdly, we have the Holy Spirit of God within us. When Jesus was promising the disciples in the Gospel of John about the coming of the Spirit of God, it says when he comes, he will reprove the world of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. He will be within us to show us what's right and wrong. I said earlier, and I, and, I, and I really believe this is true, that the heart of the problem of the Corinthian church was in their carnality. They weren't spiritually minded people. They were carnal. A carnal, fleshly person is okay with strife. A carnal, fleshly person will justify their pride. A carnal, fleshly person will go along with the lusts of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-term, is temperance. You know what temperance is? Self-control. The Holy Spirit wants to help us control ourselves. So we, have, we pray about it. We have the Word of God to guide us. We're talking about in judging ourselves. We have the Spirit of God within us. But I'm going to give you a few other things to add to that list. The fourth one is... The consideration of others. Would my behavior have a negative effect on the spiritual well-being of other people? That's worth thinking about, right? The Bible says a lot about that. Uh, we're in 1 Corinthians there. Go, go to the left just a little bit to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul ends the 10th chapter in a couple of verses that refer to this. This principle, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 32, give none offense 
neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles nor to the church of God. Don't offend the Jewish community, the, the Greeks, the, the Gentiles, the world, people in the world, nor the church. Verse 33. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit. I'm just not looking for what makes me better, but the profit of many that they may be saved. So we, here's a principle to guide in judging ourselves. How will this affect other people? And if we think that's not a part of the way we ought to look at ourselves and judge ourselves, I think we're overlooking some, a valuable barometer that God puts in His Word, consideration of others. So we have prayer, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, consideration of others. But there's a fifth thing that I want to mention that I think is certainly relevant, and that is the principle of excellence. Wanting to do our best, wanting to be our best. Right there in 1 Corinthians 10, where we looked and read verses 32 and 33, look at verse 31. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. We ought to be looking for the best. We ought to be striving for the best. Now those are just empty words to a person who doesn't really care about excelling. But we're talking about the principle of excellence. None of us in our in our practice, in our, in our daily walk, in our words, our conversations, our thought life, our deeds, our actions, none of us are going to be perfect in this life. Right? None of us. But all of us ought to be striving to be the best that God could help us to be. And it's not for us. It's for the glory of God. Let me look at a couple of the passages that brings us out. Go to the right, if you would, to Philippians. From 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians chapter 1. Paul is commending the church at Philippi, very spiritually uh, minded church. And a part of his commendation, look in verse 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Now that word judgment is what we're talking about. Discerning. Having a good sense about what's right and wrong. And notice what he says, that your love, he didn't say that your love would stay the same. He said that your love would abound yet more and more. That you'd keep growing. And then look in verse 10. The sentence continues into verse 10. That you may approve things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. That you would approve. That you would try things. That you would test things. Verse 11. The sentence ends in verse 11. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ and the glory and praise of God. We ought to put everything that we are mindful of to attest and say, is this God's best? Is the language that I use, the attitude that I have, the way I say what I say, is this God's best? 
this matter of excellence should matter. We don't, we don't want to just be average. The standard for which we ought to judge our thoughts, our words, our behavior should not be someone else or being better than they are. Or I'm as good as... No, it ought to be what is, what is the best that God could do in my life for His glory. We need to make sure we avoid that mistake of comparing ourselves with ourselves. Go, go to the right again from there in Philippians. Go to the right further to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I repeat this with different verses because I think this is one of the most important principles and that is we want to continually be growing and improving and changing. 1 First, First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 21. Prove all things. Put it to the test. Hold fast that which is good. Prove all things. So we ought to put them to the test. Hold on to the better things. Verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Now that's, that's, that's to me is taking it to another level. Not just abstain from just doing the obvious wrong, but abstain from doing things that will even appear to be wrong. And I believe verse 23 kind of fits into that uh, Three, those three verses. And he says in verse 23, the very God of peace sanctify you, set you apart holy, holy being completely, absolutely all of you. And then he breaks that down. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. In other words, prove these things. Be willing to do that. You know, having people around us I'm thinking again about young people. Having people around young people, having other young people around them can be a good thing if they're admonishing you to improve your own walk, your own life. Peer dependence, peer pressure can be a good thing. But if all it is doing is we're just feeding off each other and just sat, being satisfied with the status quo, that's not good enough. We ought to want to improve our life. We ought to be, want to change our life for the better. The principle of excellence you know, the hardest decisions in life are not always between what's good and what's bad. Sometimes the hardest decisions are between what's good and what's best. It's a lot easier to settle for something that's better than bad without pushing ourselves to go for something that's better than good. Does that make sense? And yet if we're, not, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves just accepting where we are, glad for where, we're not where we used to be, and I'm, I'm certainly glad for those things, but God deserves more than that. God deserves our best. Paul wrote to the Colossians and said, whatsoever you do, that's a pretty broad statement, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. So this to me is a good way to judge ourselves. Is this the best that I could do? Could I do better? And I'm not just talking about working to please God. I'm talking about trying to keep our words and our attitude and our, and our thoughts and all these things in a place that we judge ourselves. And again, I, I say this because I think it's important. This doesn't mean we're just always down in ourselves. It just means we're wanting to improve. You ought to ask, we ought to ask ourselves, hey, my, is my spiritual life, my, my devotion, my love for God, my, the, 
the, the way I conduct myself, is it, is it growing? Is it getting better? Or is it staying the same? Is it going backwards? We ought to judge ourselves. I want to give you the sixth, the sixth tool. We pray about it. We have the Word of God. We have the Spirit of God. We think about how this is going to affect other people. We have this principle of excellence. But the last thing I want to mention, and again, it's so vital, and that's the example of Jesus. Jesus is our example. In the second epistle, I believe, or maybe the first epistle of Peter, he said, Jesus, his quote, left us an example that we should follow his steps. He was talking there about trials and tribulations and how you went through trials. And he's our example. Did you ever see him complaining? And No, he's, he's our example. Jesus is our example. It's that, it goes back to that Charles Shelton book. What would Jesus do? You know, that's a good question. It's what would he do? What would Jesus do in this situation? What would Jesus say in this situation? How would he say it? And you could say, well, I just think that's setting the bar too high. I didn't set the bar. Jesus did. The Bible does. What we ought to be striving to be more and more like Christ. Where would Jesus, would Jesus go to this place? Would Jesus listen to this? Would Jesus be a part of this conversation? And if not, we ought to say, you know, I'm going to judge myself by the standards that God has given me. We are to judge ourselves that we will be not judged. And as I said in the beginning, whose responsibility is it primarily? Whose responsibility is it to keep us in line? It's us. It's us. Sometimes, I know this happens in the adult world. Sometimes a person can say, well, they didn't tell me, they didn't tell me they disagreed, so it must be okay. The other person's not responsible for all your decisions. You are. We're to police ourselves. We're to judge ourselves. Now, sometimes we have to be judged. If we're obviously doing something wrong and we're not dealing with it, somebody, somewhere, I promise you, God will see to it that it's judged. It may not even be judged in this life, but it will be judged. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account to Him. But it may be a parent that will judge you. It may be, it may be that you'll be found out over something you've done that, that you didn't judge yourself, but it's going to be judged. I'm just telling you, isn't it better for us to judge ourselves? That's exactly what the Bible says. Judge yourself that you'll not be judged. So that's my, that is to me, when I think about this matter of judgment, yes, we have to judge sin and situations with other people. Yes, we have to be careful that we don't judge one another, with, especially with harsher judgment than the Bible does. But we ought to judge ourselves. Amen.